This season on Untold Stories. Non-binary people are experiencing a boom in visibility. We've got magazine covers with Elliot Page and India Moore and more non-binary characters on TV than ever before. But is it all good? And what does it really mean to be non-binary anyway? I'm your host, entertainment journalist Travel Anderson, and for the new season of Entertainment Weekly's Untold Stories podcast, we're answering these questions and more. Each week throughout Pride Month, I'll be joined by other non-binary badasses to take stock of this moment and to envision a fabulous future beyond gender. Oh yes, we've got Bob the Drag Queen, Mickey Blanco, and Rebecca Sugar, as well as thought leaders Alok, Jacob Tobiah, Jeffrey Marsh, and so many more. We're talking the pop culture moments that informed our identity formations. As a child, you see Gonzo and you're just like, yep, absolutely, makes sense to me. I don't need any more explanation. Shoot him out of a cannon, like I'm into it. David Bowie in Labyrinth, with all of this like shadow and like eyebrows are gone. When I think about my girl Cruella, it's like the looks that she was serving, you knew she'd been through some tragedy. You knew that you know that the only way that she could deliver the consistency of those looks was she had been she'd been struggling like me. It's this old Disney Channel original movie called Motocrossed. Oh my god. You know, you know, if you know you know, if you don't, you don't. And if you don't know, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> and the benefits and pitfalls of all this representation conversation. There is an increase and I am not saying that I'm not grateful for that, but I don't, but I'm not going to overperform gratitude for something right. that to me still feels pretty paltry given the cultural weight of what we're actually bringing to the table. In, in popular culture, there's a lot of trans visibility, there's a lot of queer visibility, but then in terms of policy, in terms of safety of people, it's really dangerous. It's a more powerful statement when you take someone who's living authentically and truthfully in themselves regardless of all of the physical and, and mental threats surrounding them and put them on your cover and say, this is what the non-binary community looks like and this is what engendering fashion looks like. I hope that we get to the place where we are able to have these characters and all of their flawed, messy glory and no one character has to carry the entire weight of non-binary or trans or gender non-conforming identity and representation. I think a lot about gender, not because I'm overly concerned with policing the bodies and presentations of others like too many of our elected officials seem to be, rather because I think it's important that we all interrogate something as meaningful and trivial, as life-affirming and inconsequential, as useful and useless as gender identity. After all, despite the colonial project of gender being a scam of the highest order, we'll get into that later, so much about how our society operates is rooted in the roles we believe men and women should play, never mind those of us outside of that dichotomy. When I was first coming into my non-binary bad bitchery, there weren't that many images on screen I could look to or find a home in. Entertainment media mostly failed me. Granted, I didn't even have the language at the time to properly describe how I felt I should be showing up in the world. And hell, I often don't feel like I have the language even today as our collective vocabulary continuously expands. 
But what I do know is that the way I was raised and socialized as a boy or a man, these assignments made by others non-consensually, it isn't my truth. I also know that the film and TV characters and other entertainers I was supposed to fashion myself after didn't resonate with my experience. My gender is just too fabulous and too complex, honey, to be a regular degular man. Or a woman for that matter. I exist not in the standard pink or blue, but in the lavender expanses of life. By the way, in case you're new to Entertainment Weekly's Untold Stories, I'm your host, Travel Anderson, a journalist, social curator, and world changer who always comes to slay, honey. This season, which will unfold throughout Pride Month, we're focusing on non-binary visibility. Over the span of four episodes, we're talking about the benefits and the pitfalls of all this representation conversation, and every voice you hear will be a non-binary person's, because I'm tired of hearing all the rest of you's running your mouth about us. All right, so buckle up and let's go beyond the binary. say that there are more places in popular culture today for non-binary folks like myself and others to find representation than there were even three years ago. There are film and TV shows featuring non-binary characters, some of them even played by non-binary actors. We've got musicians and writers and artists of all stripes using their work to complicate folks' understanding of gender and folks just living and existing in their truth. But before I go too far, I know some of y'all listening might have a less than 101 understanding of non-binary identity. So my gift to you is a little bit of education. Class is in session, but only for a few minutes. Many non-binary people are in agreement with this, perhaps you as well, but non-binary to me is more a thing about what I am not than what I am. That's Tuck Woodstock, host of the podcast Gender Reveal and co-founder of Sylveon Consulting, where they train organizations and companies on how to go about affirming the dignity of trans and gender non-conforming people. They're describing one of the many ways to define the label non-binary. I consider non-binary to be anyone that is not strictly a man or strictly a woman. And so that gives me a lot of space. If we think of gender as a two-dimensional plane between men and women, uh, non-binary is everything in between that. But I actually like to think of it as like a three or four-dimensional plane and all of this space above and below and behind and in front of encircling uh, men and women, that's all non-binary too. And so something I like about non-binary is the same thing I like about queer, which is that I do not have to pin it down and I can keep sort of moseying along in my gender journey for my whole life and be non-binary the whole time. Uh, I can call myself a boy and still be non-binary. I can call myself anything that I want and I don't have to really like pin it down because I don't feel like gender is very pin downable for a lot of people. To put a point on it, considering that identity and language are deeply personal and can shift depending on time and space, to be non-binary can be defined in as many ways as there are non-binary people. For some, non-binary is a gender presentation or expression, a way of describing their behavior, their mannerisms, their appearance. For others, non-binary refers to our gender identity, an assertion that we are something other than or beyond a man or a woman. Some non-binary people are also trans 
transgender while others are not, and we can use masculine, feminine, and gender expansive pronouns. Now, in addition to non-binary, folks whose gender are outside of or beyond the incorrectly understood man-woman binary, we can use a variety of terms to describe ourselves. Here's singer-songwriter Shamir. Basically, any kind of like term that means somewhere on the spectrum, you know, I'm not cis, I'm not binary trans, I'm just somewhere, you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm Shamir, I'm out here, you know what I mean? Um, so I don't mind non-binary, I don't mind agender, I don't mind um, gender non-conforming, like, I don't mind either of them. Writer, model, and advocate Devin Norell. Since 2013, when I first medically transitioned, I have been using androgynous is pretty much how I feel internally in terms of I identify as both, but at the same time, the two more known genders, I hate to say primary, more known genders, that being man and woman, although at many times I don't feel like I'm either one. Um, and so I also identify as non-binary. Right now, today, because my gender changes all the time, I would like to say I both am presenting, maybe not in this moment, but I'm presenting and identifying as a gender non-conformist because I just feel like I don't ever want to conform to cis-heteronormative status quo, all that other bullshit. Like, I'm just always trying to push the envelope in any way that I can, um, whether it be at home, by myself, or outside. So right now, I'm just a nonconformist for maybe the next three weeks, probably well into Pride. Drag queen, activist, and comedian, Bob the Drag Queen. I had a friend in um, <laughs> in New York City who would use much more aggressive language to refer to themselves and their gender identity. They would use words like um, gender terrorist or gender bender. I mean, I, I like to refer to myself as a gender ender. And, you know, when I was talking to the person who would say, today my gender is blank, today my gender is blank. And at first I thought they were being kitschy until it started making sense to me. And actor Bex taylor Claus. I use the term non-binary because it's the catch-all umbrella term that cis people are starting to understand. Whereas if I would go into a situation being like, ah, I think I'm gender queer, maybe gender fluid, like still figuring it out. People are going to be like, why are you here? Why are you talking to me? And I'd just rather be like, well, my gender is not inside the binary that I grew up with. So non-binary still fits. And it's easy for other people to understand. So as I find the right words that fit the longest, non-binary will always be there for me in terms of the word I can use. As non-binary people, we actually belong to a long history of gender transgressors, contrary to the belief that we are somehow new. You may have raised an eyebrow earlier when I called gender a colonial project and a scam. Well, here's artist and thought leader Alok with a little more on that. So the division of society into male and female only really started to happen in the Western world in the 19th century. Prior to that, there was an acknowledgement of a different relationship with gender outside of the binary. And this was especially the case in non-Western and indigenous societies. And one of the tactics of European colonization and imperialism was the forced and attempted genocide of gender variant people across the world and pushing indigenous and racialized and black people into the Western gender binary. So this entire conversation of non-binary is new is a white conversation. We should always ask new to whom and under what circumstances. 
One of the things that I also want to say is that it's not even new to Anglo America in the US. Actually, in the 1920s or 30s, if you opened up a newspaper in this country, you would hear about third sexers or pansies or fairies. In fact, we were the most visible members of the queer community. It's just that we've been disappeared from history, even in US history. So one of the things that's important to understand about non-binary and gender non-conforming existence is that our forms of loving, living, and looking are so powerful and beautiful that every decade they try to disappear us again. And they have you believe that we're starting from square one, even though people have been doing this forever. I always bring up the names of people before me, like Loop the Loop, who was a drag queen, gender non-conforming performance artist in New York City at the peak of the 20, early 20th century, that people used to come to downtown New York to watch us perform and then would write all these newspapers about us, and yet we're new? It's it's just very confusing to me. <laughs> Alrighty, so I hope that little appetizer of information brought you everything you needed to know, brought you up to speed if you weren't already. And if it didn't, don't be afraid to go on over to Googleisha, okay? She can help you out. But now, class is over. <laughs> We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more untold stories beyond the binary. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back. As I mentioned earlier, there appears to be more instances of non-binary folks in popular media than ever before. Take the realm of music, for example. Folks like Mickey Blanco and Shamir, who you've already heard from, have been doing this thing as visible non-binary people for years. We also have Christine and the Queens, Dorian Electra, and noted songwriter to the stars, Justin Tranter. Then there's Sam Smith, who upon opening up to the world about their identity in 2019, became one of the most visible non-binary people out there. Here they are in an interview with Jamila Jamil. When I saw the, the word non-binary, genderqueer, and I read into it and I heard these people speaking, I was like, fuck, that is me. Would you explain what that means to you, non-binary? To non-binary genderqueer is that you do not identify in a gender. You are just you. You are a mixture of all different things. You're your mm-hmm. own special creation. That's how, that's how I take it. It's not, I'm not male or female. I think I, I float somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. It's all on a spectrum. In terms of performance artists, I think of the many former queens of the juggernaut reality competition show RuPaul's Drag Race who are non-binary. Aja, Shea Coulee, Eureka O'Hara, Sasha Velour, and we've already heard a little bit from Bob the Drag Queen. Then there are numerous writers and other cultural workers out here spreading that non-binary good good whose work you should support. 
Alok, River Solomon, George M. Johnson, Deshaun Harrison, Dr. Shea Akil McLean, Yolo Akili, just to name a few. But television, and by association, actors, actresses, and whatever gender-expansive term there is to describe other non-binary people who act, is perhaps the best site to zero in on. I'm specifically thinking of scripted TV shows with non-binary characters in recent years. Billions, P-Valley, Star Trek Discovery, Big Sky, Good Trouble, Rutherford Falls. There's David Makes Man, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Vita, and the now-canceled One Day at a Time. This might sound like a lot, and Compared to just a few years ago, it is. But the fact that I can rattle off a list so easy is a commentary on visibility in its own right. And trust, we will talk about the quality of these characters and the fact that a number of them are played by cis and non-non-binary actors later. But I think it's safe to say that if I was just coming into my non-binary bad bitchery today in 2021, I'd have a better opportunity to see what possibilities exist for me when I open iTunes or Spotify or turn on insert streaming service here. I wanted to talk to someone who was on the front lines of this visibility conversation in Hollywood. Actor Bex Taylor-Kloss, who you may remember from Scream the TV series, 13 Reasons Why, or the Fox drama Deputy. Here's a clip from Deputy, which unfortunately is now canceled, in which Bex's character Bishop reveals their truth, marking the first time a character in broadcast television has come out as non-binary. This accident made it very clear that tomorrow is not a guarantee and I need to be me. I'm getting closer every day to exactly what that is. But for now, I know I'm not all woman. Bex, who's only 26, has been advocating for nuanced, fully realized non-binary characters on screen almost their entire career. They've quite literally worked with creators and writers to ensure characters they play aren't one note and present as lived in a representation as possible. I asked them about how it feels to be as hands-on as they are. Exhilarating. Terrifying. Um, You know, imposter syndrome always creeps in. It's like, nah, you don't deserve to talk about this. And then reality pokes in and goes, aha, excuse me, brain, be nicer to me, please. It's nice to be listened to. It's nice to be heard. It's nice to be respected and appreciated. And actors don't always feel that way, just from this industry where sometimes treated like props with heartbeats. Mm. And so to have projects that view me as a person, a multifaceted person with things to say and 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 input to give and expertise to 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 lend it's really nice because it's not always something that you get in this industry feeling listened to feels so much like being loved that one can scarcely tell the difference mm. but in the entertainment industry especially feeling listened to is is absolutely intoxicating I love that. And then how, and then the ways in which, you know, if, if, if you're truly being listened to, if people are truly hearing what you're putting out there, how then that then leads to change to action, right? Yeah. It, it leads to, you know, these shifts in people's understandings of communities that they don't come from. Yeah, exactly. And I learned that it's always worth a shot to ask. 
because the worst they can do is say no. I mean, the worst they can do is is fire you, but the worst they can do is say no. <laughs> <laughs> and I've I've had that before. I've I've asked, I've requested, and I've had a no answer. And that is what it is because for every no answer I've had, I've found a yes. Even if I have to go seek it out myself, I found a yes, which is nice. I wanted to ask, you know, as we talk about kind of the 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 sea change that we're witnessing, that we're, you know, in the middle of in terms of visibility, how, and, what, and if you had to choose three words to describe this moment, this current moment of, of unfolding non-binary visibility, what words would you choose? Exciting, growing. And euphoric. Not to be confused with the show, but euphoric. I have to admit, those are not necessarily the words I would use, but Bex's vantage is different than mine and multiple things can be true at once. I asked the same question of Tuck Woodstock, whose response is a little closer to what I was thinking. I'm wondering, like... If you were to use or choose three words to kind of describe what appears to be this moment in non-binary visibility, what words immediately come to mind for you? White, which is not quite fair because they're not all white, but that is the image that I think is pushed forward the most. Mm -hmm. Um, White, transmasculine, and (laughs) cookie cutter. Like they all mm. just feel so similar. And again, that's just what I've seen. And there's definitely not all hashtag not all non-binary characters, but there's this strong image in my mind with the people that you mentioned as examples um, in television specifically that all look the mm-hmm. same. When you're talking about music, it does feel different to me. Like music, I think there's a lot more exploration because there's less of a clear industry determination of who gets to succeed there's still a lot of that but like a shamir can kind of push through in a way or like a mickey blanco can push through in a way that they didn't have to be cast by casting director that was like we're Mm -hmm. only like hiring non-binary people that look exactly this way um so i think in in music there's actually a lot of like really amazing work which is not in three words being done by, you know, folks of a lot of different backgrounds. But I think in TV, when I think about it, I just think of like sort of the same white transmasculine character over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I also think about how those characters often don't have like a lot of power or agency um, in their in their worlds. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of the ways in which I think we, we spoke about this before. Um, you know, we mentioned Asia Kate Dillon, and this is no shot to Asia Kate Dillon, but because they were seen as the first, you know, non-binary actor, non-binary TV role, so many of the characters that have come since their character on Billions similarly look like how uh, Asia Kate Dillon presents themselves, which does present this very finite idea of what it means to be non-binary. Um, and we've seen like a lot of folks, I think even in fashion spaces, that similar presentation coming to represent the fullness of the non-binary community when it is so much more um, complex than that. Yeah, something that comes up a lot when I'm teaching is a reminder for cis people that anyone can be trans. And so if you're going to ask people their pronouns, which you should do, you should be asking everyone their pronouns, not just the people that look trans to you. Because it's exactly what you're talking about is I think there's now a cis idea that they know what a trans person looks like and they know what a non-binary person looks like. And you don't know what a non-binary person looks like because there is no like non-binary look. But there certainly is 
in media, I would say. But as more and more public figures, particularly those non-white, begin to identify as non-binary openly, such finite ideas of what it means to be and look non-binary are complicated. Having Mickey Blanco on the summer cover of British GQ Style does something. Having India Moore as the face of Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger campaigns does something. And just a few weeks ago, literally as I was recording this podcast, singer Demi Lovato announced that they too are non-binary. I want to take this moment to share something very personal with you. Over the past year and a half, I've been doing some healing and self-reflective work. And through this work, I've had the revelation that I identify as non-binary. With that said, I'll officially be changing my pronouns to they, them. I feel that this best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender expression and allows me to feel most authentic and true to the person I both know I am and still am discovering. What this means is that more and more, it's going to be difficult for folks to say they don't know a non-binary or trans person. There's a statistic that GLAAD once offered a number of years ago, that 80% of folks once said they didn't know a trans person. If you watch the Netflix doc Disclosure, you heard this and you saw me. But if you haven't watched, what did you do? Go ahead and go on and stream it now. What did you do it? But you heard this statistic used as a reason why fully realized film and TV portrayals of our community are so important. Because it's through film and TV, and I'd add pop culture in general, that folks come to learn about our lived experiences. With folks who have platforms like Demi and Sam Smith sharing their non-binary brilliance with the world, them living in their truth makes way for others to do the same. I'm reminded of something I asked Tuck about Elliot Page's recent opening up. On the cover of Time Magazine and Vanity Fair and after our interview, a conversation with the legendary Oprah Winfrey. When Elliot Page came out um, as a non-binary trans-masculine person, um, I feel like I... The Webster, you know, dictionary searches probably went up, you know, for non-binary. I had a friend who actually uh, surprisingly reached out to me. It was like, how can you be a non-binary and a trans man? Um, And I said, oh, okay, so we got to do some little education right here. Okay, that's great. Seeing someone like an Elliot Page with the level of visibility that Elliot Page has as a trans masculine person, I just wonder what your immediate thoughts, your immediate kind of feelings were um, seeing him being able to to affirm himself publicly like that. Well, we were talking earlier about non-binary media representation going up and I think are growing up. And I think that retroactively, I was obsessed with Juno. So there it is. It's my (laughs) non-binary representation is being obsessed with Juno. But yeah, it was exciting for me on a personal level. And then it was very, very surprising to me for some reason about how everyone paid attention to Elliot coming out. I did not realize at the time that Elliot had instantly become like the most famous transmasculine non-binary person Mm -hmm. in the North America. So it was sort of shocking to see, first of all, every single trans person on Twitter talking about the same thing at the same time, but also cis people knew this as well, right? Like all of a Mm -hmm. sudden, everyone knew one non-binary person and it was Elliot Page and they didn't all realize that they were non-binary. A lot of people were like, is this a man? Is this a he, him? Mm -hmm. What's going on here? Uh, But it was jarring to suddenly have the spotlight turned onto one specific non-binary person because then it's up to Elliot to somehow 
not mess it up for every mm-hmm. single trans person. And mm-hmm. that's so much pressure. And like, I, you know, I'm part of that. Like I am one of the people who's just sitting here being like, all right, Elliot, what did you say today? Do I approve? <laughs> you know? And so, you know, at, at all at once, there's a lot of different feelings. There's like, wow, I'm so excited. And also like, oh no, what's going to happen next for Elliot and for all of us. I'm not sure I have an answer to Tuck's question, but here's one thing Elliot said to Oprah that resonated with me. I think like anything in life, things are always changing, which is obviously one of the most beautiful things of being alive, one of the scariest and most beautiful. And I guess from where I'm sitting now, all I know is the degree of comfort, sense of home, ability to be present, feels so profound and life-changing. And so what I look forward to is getting to move through the world in that way. I think it too soon to tell, particularly how this moment of what feels like increased non-binary visibility manifests in the real everyday lives of non-binary folks and other gender challengers. I'm talking about the folks who don't have millions of fans and followers and coins, you know, us regular, degular, schmegular non-binary people just trying to navigate our everyday But that's also why I pitched and produced this podcast. It might sound like hyperbole, but we're living through history in so many ways. And there needs to be some kind of record of our community in this moment from the perspective of other folks in it. Throughout the next few episodes, we're going to go a little deeper. And I'm talking with some folks you know and likely a few you may not. Next week, we're going to focus on what led up to this current moment. Here's a quick teaser from my interview with musician and artist Mickey Blanco. When I came out, I had this really nice, big, glamorous splash. And I was the only, at the time, you know, gender nonconforming person with that level of a platform, you know, making my way in the world. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of, a lot of intersectional conversations that people have had in these last few years, and even now, it's like, even though I wasn't using the academic language, you know, even though I didn't have you know, this textbook or this very intellectual knowledge of, of what I was talking about. I was, I was talking about a lot of these issues online before people were. I was. I just, I just was. That's, that's just the truth. For that and more, make sure you're subscribed to Untold Stories wherever you get Slayworthy audio. And don't forget to rate and review. For more Pride content, you can head over to EW.com slash Pride. Make sure you're following Entertainment Weekly at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly on Instagram. And you can catch me on Twitter at Travel Anderson or on Instagram at Rayjon, R-A-Y-Z-H-O-N. I want to hear from you. If you're non-binary and or trans, tell me what's bringing you joy this pride season and if you're cis or not non-binary tell me what you're doing to support non-binary and trans folks in your life hashtag black lives matter hashtag trans lives matter hashtag pride was a protest all of that good stuff i'll talk to y'all next week slay on <laughs>